Hey everybody, welcome to The Well. My name is Christian and I am so glad that you are here. Our hope is that during your time with us, you can acquire some relevant and practical resources to aid you in your journey with teenagers. This is episode 10, which is all about faith conversations with young people. So without further ado, welcome to The Well. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 10 of the Well Podcast. Uh, we missed you guys a lot. Uh, y'all have heard me before. My name is Christian, and with us we have a dear friend and colleague of mine. Nadine. Nadine Turner. She, uh, we both get the privilege and honor of overseeing our student ministry program here at the CLC. I get the I get to serve with our high school students and Nadine. I get to serve with the middle school students. The middle school students, which uh, is a super super easy and simple task. Am I right? No, no, that's, not at all. Uh, yeah, but we are uh, we love working with students, and here we are at the Well Podcast, which is a, a resource that we try and make available for anyone working with students. So um, I we've kind of adopted this mantra uh, that the the Well is kind of a place for imperfect parents, uh, teachers, leaders, and coaches, and really anyone who journeys with students. And so if you're perfect, then you're not welcome here. Um, but if you are imperfect, uh, you are at the right place because Nadine and I, uh, while we have experience working with young people, we're also, we don't do it perfectly. And so that's what the well really exists for. It's to um, really serve anyone who journeys with teenagers to hopefully give them some practical and relevant resources to uh, serve teenagers well. And so that is why we are here for episode 10. Um, but before we get into the episode, we did want to kind of identify and mention that it has been about almost a year since we've had an episode. Way too long. We, we started this in February, gosh, I think it was February 2020, which is pre-pandemic, but we still got nine episodes out even uh, during all that stuff. But it's been about a year now since we've been on the podcast. And I wanted to share, kind of give you guys a little window uh, as to why that was the case and why that happened. Um, and so many of you know me, already know this part of my story. Um, but uh, about a year ago, we dropped our episode nine and then took a hiatus. And this is our first time back since then. Um, but a little peek behind the curtain for you. Um, so about this time last year, my dad actually passed away from cancer. Um, and uh, I'd never lost someone really, really close to me before, and so that kind of hit me pretty hard. And so I did not have the mental capacity or brain space or really even the motivation to kind of create content or to uh, do a podcast of any kind. And so uh, for a while, it was just kind of uh, down and out, which I think is okay. I think sometimes we need seasons like that um, to just kind of rest and um, hopefully be restored. And so that was pretty hard. So we stepped away for a while and hadn't really entertained or really did anything to manage or kind of uh, upkeep uh, the Well podcast. But, uh, you know, um, God's been doing a lot of work in my life, in my family's life. Um, and as recently, Nadine and I were just chatting. And we're like, we get we should do the podcast again. We should get that going because I do like it. I think we like it a lot. And we enjoy talking about uh, young people and working with parents. And so we are back. And I think uh, this is the first time Nadine's hearing this, maybe. I'm hoping to do an episode maybe every month. I don't know. Is that, is that impossible? It's not impossible. We'll yeah, we're, see. we're gonna try, maybe every month, but we're not. We're not gonna try and do it once a year. So, but we hope to kind of create some resources to help you guys because we know the parenting journey doesn't really stop uh, in a pandemic, and it doesn't stop 
uh, when things are crazy and busy. In fact, I'm sure it gets a lot worse. It's so. way more difficult. Yeah. So I uh, just want to share that with you guys. Uh, appreciate you kind of hanging in there um, and just uh, even kind of coming back after this hiatus of ours. So um, now this is episode 10, which I'm so excited for. Nadine, do you mind sharing a little bit about what this episode will be about? Yep. Our episode 10 is going to be about faith conversations with young people. And we know that faith conversations are like a different language, especially yeah. when we have them with young people. Yeah. Um, and no one teaches us how to do these things. There's no handbook for parents on how to have a great conversation, especially a faith-like conversation with your teenager. Yeah. So we're going to try to help you out. Yeah. And I find that faith conversations, you know, if you're you're new to them or maybe you just entered the faith and, and you're trying to journey with your young people, it's kind of like a lot, a lot like going to the gym. You might give it a shot once or twice. Um, and then it's uncomfortable and even painful. So then you quit going. And obviously I don't go to the gym a lot um, because the first couple of times I go, it's painful and uncomfortable. And so I just continue. So our hope is to kind of work through that tension and to kind of create some consistency and give you some resources so that we can work through those first difficult hurdles um, so that this can be kind of a normal uh, practice in your family and with your young person. So, um, so yeah, we're so excited for this episode. We also wanted to mention the reason why it's weird. We're, we're, we work in student ministry, but here we are hanging out with parents via a podcast. Why is that the case? Um, we believe, Nadine and I believe, that student ministry is best done in partnership with parents. In fact, we believe that parents are the uh, most influential faith of formation influence for young people. Um, and so that's why we have this podcast. It's to come alongside you as you guys really do most of the legwork for uh, faith formation in your young people. And so we figured, hey, let's work through this conversation on how to have these faith conversations because in our conversations with some parents, it seems like it's a challenging endeavor. Um, sometimes it does not go as planned or kind of we have big hopes and dreams for what we hope it looks like. Uh, but then it never doesn't come they to fruition. They shut you down. They shut they you shut down, down, right? Because they're very, I'm sure yeah. teenagers, just, uh, you know, flock to you with their faith questions yeah. and, and especially your own they kids, don't. right? They don't. And uh, so I want to preface this by saying I don't have any kids, so <laughs> I can't speak to this experience. But Nadine, you have like one or two teenagers in Four, your home? Four, five, six. Yeah. So <laughs> Nadine brings with her a lot of awesome experience uh, from a parent perspective. And then also she brings a lot of student ministry perspective as well. Um, um, and yeah, so actually today what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on a book. It's more, it's not really a book. It's pretty small. It's a like pamphlet. a pamphlet. Uh, but uh, our friends over at Fuller Youth Institute, which uh, is an organization out in California, uh, they create content and resources for parents and um, for young people so that they can grow in their faith journey. And so we're actually going to uh, read through this pamphlet and some kind of tips that they uh, give people for, it's actually, what's it called? It's a faith formation toolkit um, to have conversations with young people. We'll put a link to it in the show notes for you. But Nadine, can you kind of introduce this resource? Yes. The name of this book is How to Talk to Any Young Person, an Intergenerational Conversation toolkit, a resource of the Fuller Youth Institute. So this actually is practical how-to steps. Here's the scenario. Here's how you respond. Here's how you start the conversation. And we're going to walk through those steps with you today. Yeah. And so once you're done listening to this, you're going to be like a professional in this. And so you can just, you know, own any conversation with your young person. It's going to go swimmingly. Start counseling their friends. Yeah. It's invite good. them over. It's going to be beautiful. And then you'll email us and say, that was such a great resource 
resource. Thank you. I'm kidding. Uh, these are resources. These are tools that we hope you put in your toolbox. However, sometimes, you know, the plan doesn't go as planned, and that's okay. That's part of life. That's part of the tension that we engage in with uh, faith journeys, and that's okay. So rest assured if these tips don't solve all your problems, but we do hope that they kind of help you in some capacity. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump into this. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so this is one of the chapters in the book. It uh, kind of offers a list of tips, and we're just going to go through them and add some of our own commentary. And so I'll start us off with the first one that the book recommends. The first tip when you are having a conversation with a young person is to choose the right location. And that's pretty important. Uh, you know, I find that we, we run uh, ministry programs here at the church, and sometimes we know if we've picked a wrong or poor location uh, because the students would be distracted and they would just they do just anything but listen, right? Away. Like there's no reason to do a teaching lesson in the middle of a room with a bunch of like balls or something because they will throw them around and they will just be totally so distracted. And so um, a lot of times if we are trying to have a conversation with young people, we got to find a location that is conducive to that end so it shouldn't be terribly noisy it shouldn't be super distracting and honestly I've heard um, I heard one time of uh, 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 one of my professors was teaching at a camp and it was outside and it was like 100 degrees and you know he's a really good uh, he's a good teacher he's you usually was hired for these events however you know no one really heard anything he said that day because he was outside and it was a hundred degrees and so um, so you want to find a place that's relatively comfortable inviting less distracting uh, the book also recommends and I would agree that snacks are always a win because young people like to eat right yes, for sure. uh, people like to eat in your house oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> pizza chips you name it yeah food. so if you have snacks and just find a right location that's a really good starting point for any conversation so that's the first thing the second thing is to listen with your heart and to really listen it's a practical skill to have is to just listen really well um we often have an objective objective with parents which we often have an objective which prevents us from listening. Like we're listening with the intent to, we know we're catching you in something. We know how you're going to respond. Yeah. So we're thinking about what they're the end game before we're actually going through the motions of listening to what they're saying. Yeah. So I like this tip what, to listen with your whole heart. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, I think we're all guilty of it. Sometimes when we're in a conversation with someone, we're listening to figure out what exactly we're going to say next. Like I'll be candid. I'm almost doing it right now on the podcast. Cause like we're, you know, we're trying to create a podcast here, but you know, we listen a lot of times, but instead of listening, we're just trying to formulate, okay, what am I going to say in response? And I think maybe uh, some of you guys can relate to this. We do this with names a lot. Like we will meet someone, um, but we're trying not to be awkward. So we're trying to figure out what we're going to say next. And their name just goes right over we the head. Remember, right? Yeah. And so then you're like, so wait, what's your name again? And so I think, uh, you know, uh, listening with your heart's a really important skill, especially because students oftentimes feel like no one listen, no one listens to them. Right. Uh, and they're not going to want to 
talk with someone if they think that that person doesn't listen very well. That's true. Yeah. I have one more thought on that is yeah. when you're you're listening, you're listening to their words, you're also listening to their tone of voice, and you're also listening to their body language. Yeah. You're, you're looking at what they're telling you without using verbal. Yeah, because that's, you know, yeah, you do communicate with the whole person. And uh, and so that's a lot of work. Listening is hard. And, uh, you know, I need to practice it more because I'm not terribly good at it. However, Students, um, they can pick up on that pretty quickly. Like they know when someone's not really listening to them, not giving them that attention perhaps, right? Um, they can kind of see right through people, which is kind of alarming and scary, but also I think it's good because it holds us accountable. So if you want you know, to strive and doing well with faith, faith conversations with your young person, hey, let's get really good at listening and kind of working through that. So um, yeah, uh, the next thing that I'll share, uh, and this is another you know, suggestion that the book had, is to repeat what they've said. Now, uh, this is a really important point because, you know, and this highlights how good we are at listening. Uh, so repeating what uh, what they said is really important because it helps. We're not just trying to listen and regurgitate what it is they're saying, but we're they're, they want to know that we understand, that we are understanding them, and that we're not hearing what we want to hear or misunderstanding. And so the best way to clear that up, the best way to figure that out is to say, okay, this is what you're saying, right? And then just kind of say it back to them. And if you're wrong, hey, that's okay. That's a great opportunity for them to say, hey, I appreciate it, but you're wrong. Let me repeat it again. And so the more that that happens, you're kind of chipping away and trying to uh, grow closer towards understanding. And so um, a lot of times when I'm talking with students, I will, um, I will try and do this practice. I'm not very great at it. I'm trying to get better at it. Um, but a lot of times, uh, if they come up to me with something, or you know, something's upsetting them, or hurting them, or what you know, what have you, if they're just experiencing some difficulty in life, I'll try and repeat back. Um, say, hey, so this is what you're going through, and then I'll kind of share what they shared with me, and then they're like, oh yes, like you understand. Thank you. You get it. Uh, or they're like, actually, like that's not really what I'm trying to get at. Let me try again. And so it's a really, really good practice for us to get into is just trying to repeat back to them, uh, you know, what, uh, what it is that they said. Um, the book says it demonstrates appreciation, support, and attention. So if you can catch all the details through listening and then share it right back to them, they're like, oh, you did really listen to everything I said and you kind of understand it. So awesome. They feel cared for and loved in that. And that's really important when it comes to kind of journeying with them uh, in their own faith journey. So um, I know you had a thought regarding that point. I did. Yeah. Well, and then this, this happens in my own life with my own teenagers. When you're repeating back to them and you're actively listening at, and you're repeating what they say, you're not approving. Yeah of what they're telling you. Mm. So you have to save your response and your reaction to the end of the conversation. Um, and remember that ju by just mirroring what they say is not the same as approving. Sure, because I'm sure maybe some parents get anxiety to repeat it back because then they're like, oh, I'm approving this, but yeah. that's not necessarily nope, that's the, not case. the case. That's good. that's good to differentiate that. And I think that's important because, hey, we can still care for them and repeat back what they've said. Um, but then at the same time, we can still offer our insight after we've arrived at this place of understanding what it is that they're communicating. So sure. that's good, especially because, uh, again, a lot of students feel really misunderstood. Uh, and if we're going to try and get anywhere with them, and especially in faith, uh, we we have to arrive to a place where they do feel understood, they feel heard, um, but that doesn't happen just, you know, naturally. Sometimes you have to be very intentional with that. So that's good. Uh, so what's our next one? The next one is to ask follow-up questions like, tell me more, or why do you think that is, or how did that come to be? And that leads us to a more in-depth conversation than like a yes or no question would. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't, we, we definitely shut down the conversation when we're, we're 
answering their question for them and all they have to say is yes or no. We yeah. really want to draw them out by asking open-ended questions. Yeah. And then to add to, add to that, I like, like how you said, like instead of answering the questions for them, sometimes I find myself in the habit of doing this. I'll say, hey, how's your day going? Is it going well? Yeah. Um, and just by suggesting that it's going well, they'll either say like yes or no. So a yes or no questions automatically a lot of times kill the conversation because it doesn't leave any room for conversation. But sometimes when I answer it for them, they then might not be willing to share how it is that they truly are experiencing the day or something like that. So I'll try and yeah, the open-ended question is a powerful thing. And then trying not to suggest or answer the question on their behalf invites them to uh, to be more candid or open about where to, you know, their own answer without me trying to chime in or, you know, point them in the right direction or somehow. Yeah. yeah so that's there, a really good thought. There's one more point that I yeah. had about, about the questions is if we want to steer, steer clear of the feeling questions, sure. like how does that make you feel? Uh, how do you, t by having them interpret their feelings about a conversation or a situation, uh, you know, we're not counselors and most likely we won't have a constructive response yeah. for their feelings and we don't want them to build relationships based on their feelings. So I appreciate you mentioning that because I am the king of feeling questions. <laughs> uh, too often I kind of default to that. So let me ask you this if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so do, do those questions ever have a place in our conversations? And if they do, what does that look like? Because um, sometimes I know, you know, we, we both believe, hey, God's given us emotions and feelings. So what uh, what do we do with them? What does it look like to manage them well? But also what does it look like to manage them, you know, for them to manage us, which isn't necessarily healthy. So I guess all that to say, is there a time and place for us to ask those questions? Or, you know, what might that look like? You know, um, Great question, uh, and let me get it. Just stab in the dark at this. Yeah. Um, I do feel like we're we're initiating conversation, and sometimes we're we're new at having these conversations yeah. with our kids. So these conversations don't just happen one and done. These are conversations that are built on conversations mm -hmm. on previous conversations. So it depends on where you are in the process of conversation. If this is your second or third, or maybe even fourth conversation mm -hmm. about a specific topic, and they get into feelings, then then we could unpack them a little bit deeper. Yeah. But if this is an initial conversation um, we want to get them out of the habit of just telling us how they feel all mm. the time we want to get some some deep-rooted dialogue going maybe sure. at, try to uh, push them to use uh, deeper words besides I feel I feel good or bad yes yeah, we, yeah. we want to try to, uh, to dig a little bit deeper so yeah. to answer that it kind of depends on where you are sure. in the conversation process if okay. this is first or second or third or fourth conversation yeah it's really good to know because uh, uh, yeah, because I know, again, I, I often default to that. I'm trying to be a bit more mindful of that to to not just end there, but really to kind of rationalize and work through what it is that's going on so we can come to resolution. So, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That was great for a stab in the dark. I know. That was awesome. Okay, uh, the next one we have, which also I am the king at this, <laughs> at doing the wrong thing, that is, uh, it's to avoid a monologue. Um, and so this is, you know, when, uh, you know, when I'm talking with students and they ask me a question, I'm like, oh, I think I know a lot in this. Let me talk for five minutes straight about it. Uh, and then, you know, they get bored like 30 seconds into it. And so avoiding a monologue, that's my Achilles heel, but it's really important that we, if we want it to be a dialogue, um, that we try and read them pretty well and actually engage in dialogue instead of us just talking while they listen, uh, because then that might discourage them from sharing or discourage them 
from talking. Um, but again, you know, we always have to, to read the room here and read our students. And you guys know your kids very well, so you know what it is that they need in the moment. A lot of times it's not a monologue. However, sometimes, depending on the context, depending on what's happening, they might invite you to share a bit. But let's wait for that invitation, perhaps. Um, like a lot of times, if a student asks me a question, um, I try and keep it brief, and then if I'll try and gauge, hey, do you want to keep talking about this? Do you want to work through it? And then if they're like, yeah, here's another question about what you said, then I'll kind of go into a bit, go into it a bit more. So we have to read our students a bit. We have to be mindful of where they're at. And again, that takes intentional listening and reading of their body language and their tone. Um, but you know, it's just a good rule of thumb to not be so prone to do a bunch of monologues because uh, that's not necessarily dialogue. And if we're looking for faith conversations with people, then let's have a dialogue. But if we're looking for faith monologues, then keep doing your monologues, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, yeah. And then um, uh, what else did I put here? Uh, I'll add yeah, that last point do. there. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 silence is okay. You know, yeah, it's okay for yeah. you to propose a topic of conversation and for your your teenager to not respond. And it's okay for them to be silent. And it might take a couple attempts mm. at a difficult conversation to get them to get them going. Or it's okay to just be silent and let them bring up a topic or yeah. let them bring up uh, something that they really want to talk about. Yeah. So and silence I, is okay. And I think it, it takes a bit of practice because it's always kind of weird and awkward at first. Like we, we live in a, a world that's so noisy, right? Like whenever, whenever anyone's bored for like three seconds, they'll pull out their phone to preoccupy the silence or at least the dead space, right? And so we got to get back to practicing silence because it's actually a very powerful thing. Uh, in conversation even. And I might even add, um, you know, some a good way to break up monologues and to not let them happen is, you know, you might be sharing a story or your own experience, but insert some questions in there. Invite them to respond to what you shared. So if you're sharing something, say, hey, what do you think about this? What's your approach? Because we are trying to help them for, uh, be formed by the faith and to, to be formed in general, right? And so if we're doing all the talking and not inviting them to, to contribute to the conversation, then we're not, are we helping them grow? Or are we helping them? You're back to your monologue. Yeah, you're back to your monologue, right? And so you want to help them develop cognitively to process some of these things themselves instead of just kind of taking the whole show and chatting a lot. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, on to the next point, which is fuel a positive atmosphere. So you are in charge of setting the tone by your body language, by smiling, by being relaxed, by being a non-anxious presence, even though we might be feeling like, oh my gosh, mm. this could go horribly wrong yeah. or slide sideways before it even starts. Um, what you want to do is just be relaxed, bring your relaxed game to this conversation yeah. and not don't check your phone. So if you're constantly checking your phone or you're looking for your clues or your notes on your phone, mm come up with a different plan. Yeah. Uh, don't check your phone, set set the tone from the way you want them to respond and we don't want them to be checking their phones. Yeah. Um, and also I want to, you want to offer uh, positive feedback. If you're giving them positive feedback in the moment, that's encouraging them to share and encouraging them to be part of the conversation yeah. and not just listening. Yeah, because what we're trying to do is create a space that they feel comfortable sharing in. I think a lot of times what happens is, uh, is they don't feel comfortable and so they won't share. And so if we can, and this is not something that happens overnight, it's not a, a quick, easy fix. And honestly, like um, there might be some context where just a, a teenager never feels comfortable for some reason, right? We can't control that. And that's 
painful as an adult who cares for this teenager to, to think through. But if we can just even in small, subtle ways and eventually over time in bigger ways show them, hey, you know, I support you sharing in this context. Um, you know, I, I support you and encourage you. I'm going to be a non-anxious presence. I'm going to be relaxed and I'm going to, um, to, to um, almost be thankful that you're sharing. Even though it's information I don't necessarily enjoy hearing, the fact that they're being vulnerable and sharing in that moment is a really powerful thing that they don't give to everyone. So if that happens in your case, even if it, the content's not exciting or even comfortable, like that's a win, celebrate that and embrace that for sure. So, um, but I think that's a great point, Nadine. I think fueling a positive atmosphere will be a, a pretty big component in that. Sure. So, um, and then uh, the, the last thing, this is kind of more for kind of group settings. If, uh, you know, we, we love hearing stories and just knowing that faith formation is taking place in the whole family, right? That parents are with their kids and they're all kind of journeying towards Jesus together. And so we kind of, uh, so this last point kind of applies to those gr more group settings uh, to have a single conversation. Now, this doesn't mean that like if everyone's in the room, you have to force everyone to have the same conversation. However, when everyone is actually sharing space and having a conversation, uh, you know, you want to invite everyone to be involved. And so if someone is kind of less talkative or not wanting to, um, you know, not so proactive to share some of their thoughts, it's okay to ask them, say, hey, Johnny, do you want to share a little bit about what you think about what we're talking about? A lot of times we do this in small groups sure. with our students. Um, you know, we love our students and we want all of them to feel like they have community. So sometimes if we're having a conversation around maybe our lesson that day, uh, if I notice a student in particular is maybe a bit more quiet, I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? I'd love to hear, you know, what you would have to say. And so trying to invite them into that instead of having like a single conversation with maybe one of the students who's a bit more talkative, which is great. Um, we try and open the circle a bit and invite everybody into that so people don't feel excluded. So um, it's a pretty important part of conversations, I'd say. And I would say that um, in, in that group setting, the ones that are be becoming part of the conversation are feeling more connected to the group. Yeah. They're feeling a little bit more... Um, valued for being there so yeah. we really want them to participate yeah that's good um Awesome. So that's uh, that's really all the book had to say. Really helpful resource. Really small, accessible resource. You can just search Fuller Youth Institute and check out their their store on their website, and you can find this and a bunch of other resources um, on there. But uh, before we uh, wrap up, we actually want to take a little bit of time to share. Hey, if we had to add anything to this list of things that would help uh, faith conversations with young people, what would we add? And so we're going to share some of our own uh, tried and true. Uh, <laughs> it's not. True. But we're going to try uh, sharing some of our own thoughts regarding, hey, if we could add things to this list, what would it be? And so, um, so did you want... Did you want to get started on the first one here, or do you want me to? Yep, I can go okay, ahead. Great, um, great, great. So one of the, some of the things after I read through this pamphlet and I, I just my knee jerk reaction, so I wrote down kind of my thoughts to the different topics. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share them with you um, in this forum. Um, so one of the things is respond more than you react. Mm -hmm. um, if a student shares something difficult or personal with you, then like congratulations that you, they let you in. Yeah. You're you're part of their circle now, yeah. um, and they trust you enough that with that part of their lives. Mm. Um, and that's a huge milestone for both you and for them. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, this is really, really important because not a lot of students are willing to just say, hey, here's the mess of my life. Here's something I'm struggling with. Here is a sin or a doubt or a difficult story that I want to share with you. And so, uh, but I, I often find that, you know, when they do, I'm tempted to react. Like if they say like, hey, you know, I'm involved in this. I'm like, no, don't do that. What are you thinking, right? And that is the very last thing they need in that moment because here they are practicing vulnerability, which is what any parent would want, right? To experience that with their young person. So the last thing we should do is to react and flip out. Um, it doesn't mean you can't, you know, go to your room later that day and kind of just like punch your pillow and get out, you know, that frustration then. Um, however, you know, in that moment when you're with your student, your teenager, and they're sharing some uh, difficult stuff with you, uh, that is a powerful moment that not a lot of parents get nowadays, right? And so, so if true. if your student lets you in, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a big win, even if the topic of conversation is not terribly exciting. Yeah. And so some examples that we put is like doubt, you know, if a student comes to you and they say, hey, I doubt my faith, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. Uh, last thing you need to do is kind of freak out in that moment. Um, you know, hug that's them. That's not happening. Yeah, that's not <laughs> happening in my house. Our that's house not. serves the Lord, right? Uh, that's not what they need in the moment, right? Because no. um, honestly, doubt, and we could talk about this in another podcast, is a very normal part of the faith process. And in fact, I would argue, I think it's a healthy process. And, and I would say it's necessary. They yes. have to go through this to, Absolutely. Own, to own their faith. Yeah. So another we'll, topic, we'll, we'll talk topic. about that. In fact, I'm circling it right now uh, on my notes, another episode right here. But uh, so when they share that to you, don't, don't freak out, right? If they, if they come to you and say, Hey, I screwed up. Like I, I really screwed up. And they share with you about that. You know, uh, it's, it's okay. You're allowed to say, Hey, you know, I'm frustrated. That, that's upsetting. But, you know, if you freak out and scream at them, um, they are not going to be interested in coming to you again, right? Uh, uh, they may not, you know, jump at the idea of coming to you to, to share that stuff. So if they share it, you know, hug them, love them, and then work out a response, uh, you know, in the wake of that. And it's okay even to say, hey, that's a lot to take in. Um, I just need a little bit of time to work through that. Um, but let's have, you know, let's have a conversation shortly. Um, just because some people, you got to know yourself. If you know you're going to freak out and you need a moment, just say that. Say, hey, I need, I need a minute to process that. Uh, and then circle back around to it when, you know, when you've kind of processed through that. So you respond instead of react there. Um, and even with a difficult story, if they're just sharing some stuff that's going on in their life or what, whatever it might be, um, we have to prepare to respond before these conversations happen so that we don't uh, don't kind of blow up and kind of create some damage there, uh, you know, that would make it difficult to have these conversations down the road. So respond more than you react, which is and hard. I, yeah, and I would add that listening and not reacting immediately is tough. Yeah. It's such a hard thing oh, to do. Yeah. You <laughs> yes, really have to practice this as a parent. Parents, we're not going to get this right, mm -hmm. but as long as you can are trying and maybe not get it right this time, but maybe the next conversation. But yeah. just listen and not react. My go-to response when my teenagers are telling me something difficult or that I don't really want to hear or a conversation that I don't really want to have, my response is, okay, okay, 
Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I say that over and over yeah. um, just to kind of diffuse myself. Um, but I have to remember the process that we are a communicating of relationship and building a relationship of trust. So yeah. that's a building block in what needs to happen. And we're not going to like what they have to say yeah. all the time. Yeah. Most of the time, we're not going to like what they have to say. Yeah. And that's part of the journey, right? And so I, I even added on here, they're, uh, they're looking for someone to confide in and someone to share the difficult part of their story with. And your response may help you can uh, continue to make you that person that they are turning to. So please just embrace that. And even though it can be so difficult, like that is a huge win. And Nadine and I are here sharing this only because we've gotten it wrong so many times. Yes. And we will probably continue to get it wrong, uh, you know, in even in our own world. And that's okay. The hope is that we are learning and trying to figure it out along the way. Um, so yeah, that's uh, thanks for sharing that. I'll, I'll share our next one, which uh, is practice, practice, practice. Uh, now I know that's kind of like a no brainer like duh, but I think these are at, like just like going to the gym or playing a sport. I actually do think we have to revisit these things when we're not in the moment, right? You know, practice is something you do when you're not in the game, on the field, uh, you know, playing in the way you need to play. We practice when we're not uh, in the moment, right? And so I would say, uh, you know, before these conversations even happen with your young people, read through some of these resources. Think about what would I say if my teenager approached me and said A, B, or C, right? Um, how would I respond if my teenager approached me and said, a, B, or C. And so try and go over these resources and grow familiar with how you might respond if your teenager comes to you uh, regarding anything in a faith conversation so that when that time comes, right, you are prepared and you kind of already have uh, that toolbox with those resources that you can, um, you know, bring right in the moment to use, right? And so it's just like sports. Again, you're practicing off the field so that when you are on the field, you're not figuring out, what do I do here? No, you've already done that work and you know what you need to do in the moment to respond with very little time. And so practice these things when you can. Go over them, think them through, talk with your spouse. Hey, if our kid approaches us and shares us, how are we going to respond? How are we going to, you know, how are we going to love them and care for them and grow in this journey with them? So practice is good. Yep. I say if you're a working parent, lunchroom conversations are now your go-to resource to practice these yes. things. Practice on your coworkers, practice on your spouse, practice yes. on your parents. Yeah. But try to get these things nailed down because our we want to respond well to our teenagers. Yeah. I practice with my dog sometimes. Yeah. She, <laughs> little boxer that's, puppy. That's a monologue. Yeah. Not that's, the monologue, yeah, that's okay. the monologue, which again, it's my so. Achilles heel. Uh, I need to avoid the monologue. So uh, that's good. You want to cover our next one? Please? Yeah. You know, the other thought I had was, was timing. You know, location is important, but also timing is everything. Mm. Don't try to have these difficult conversations in the car because your young person, they are trapped in there and may be feeling a little trapped in the conversation and maybe less likely to want to have a conversation. Mm. Even though we do have their undivided attention in the car mm. and they can't get out of a moving car, you know, think about the, the timing. You know, you, we don't want to have these conversations when they're walking in for the door from a, a work shift or a yeah. job or a sports game which they just uh, lost. You know, think, think about the timing of these yeah. things. You know, 8 a.m., on a Monday morning, it's not a great time to have yeah. a conversation with yeah. your young person about anything. Yeah. Uh, so think about timing. You want to try to create an environment that they will be most comfortable and awake and attentive. And, you know, that might not be the same space and time that we're ready to have a conversation. Yeah. This might mean your conversation happens at 11 p.m. Yeah. You know, just as you're ready to turn off the lights go and go to, to bed, bed then sleep. I have a lot of young people at my house and they want to talk yeah. at 1130. Yeah. They come alive. They have things. <laughs> they bring things to me. This is when they want to talk about 
all the things. Yeah. So you know what? Stay up late. That's what, yeah. Practice staying up yeah. late, right? Go to bed at eleven. We're parents, and we are good at going on zero sleep. It's yeah. so worth it. Build that trust relationship. Yeah. Timing is everything, even if it's late at night. Yeah. Lose sleep over it. It'll be you'll. It'll be beneficial. Yeah. And I, I think this me. I think this reinforces the other point that we were talking about earlier too. Um, to, uh, gosh, now I'm referencing, I can't remember. It is to, uh, to, to listen well. So again, we're listening to body language and tone and the, what it is that they're saying. And so when we listen well, we're trying to pick up on, hey, is my kid good to have this conversation right now or are they not? Um, and so uh, you want to try and read your your student, the teenager, in the moment to try and figure out is this is this the right timing or do we need to kind of postpone this? Because some teenagers might be uh, like I was a weird kid. I got up early and uh, you know God bless my wife. I am an early bird. I am a chatty Kathy in the morning. And so uh, for me as a teenager, the mornings were kind of prime time. But that's definitely not the case. I'm I'm weird in that regard. Um, so try and make sure you're reading your teenager really well um, for when it is that they're comfortable to have those conversations. And I really appreciate you brought up a really good point. Um, you know, when they lose a sports game, they don't want to <laughs> yeah. talk. No. And, I, and I've learned that. And I've, I've, it's sacred. I've, yeah, I've had to be like Especially cautious. if you have a son. Yeah. Do not talk about these things. Yeah. So, you know, you just kind of pat them on the back and, you know, say, hey, love you. Take and them out for ice cream yeah, or pizza. Yeah. Food is a good kind of love language, a way to, you know, to serve them well. But yeah, that's a really, really good to be kind of keenly aware of when works for a student. And it'll differ from student to student, but there's a lot of commonalities that a lot of young people have that, you know, if we can pick up on that and time our conversations well, That'd be super helpful. So re really, really good point. Yeah. And that was Nadine's point, y'all. Like she, she's bringing a lot of really good stuff to the table that I just don't have experience in. So, um, yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, or actually Nadine, you uh, thought of this uh, one too. Yeah, Do you uh, want to share this sure, one? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other thing that you know, I, I some, I've gained this. This is this is from experience. Um, so do not follow up every scene of their story that they're sharing with you, from. With a scene from your childhood, yeah. Um, even though, like when we were young, like our stories are just way cooler, and oh, yeah. we we did this thing better, um, and we know what they're talking about because when we were young, we did this thing, we did the same thing. Nothing kills a teenager's uh, motivation to have mm. a conversation with you than you kind of interjecting. When I was young, back you know, in my day, I, they, you know, honestly, the teenagers these days, yeah. well, they respect and realize that we were once young. They don't really want to hear about it, especially if we're trying to guide the conversation towards them yeah. and their heart. You know, keep our stories for another time. Yeah. You know, it's not always an opportunity for us to share about ourselves, although yeah. we do like to do that as parents. Yes, we, we love do. to tell them that we knew all the dances first before yeah. they were called to our dances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We knew them first, okay? We don't have to remind them of this. Um, but, you know, keep, keep those stories at bay. You yeah. really will uh, see this relationship start to blossom when yeah. they... Uh, are seeing your efforts to really draw them out. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I'm sure even at some point they might even ask about, like occasionally, maybe not all the time, right? But sometimes they may ask, like, hey, what you know, what was it like when you were a teenager? Yeah. I don't know. They, um, they never ask, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe once in a while. Maybe there's a curiosity. Like yeah. if it, maybe this is creating intentional space, have a little campfire and say, hey, we're going to share stories. And Since go anything there. that there. You know, everything happened in the 1900s compared yeah. to them. And that just <laughs> yeah. seems like a really long time ago. Millions so. of years ago. That's insane. So uh, that's a really good thought there. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll do this last one. But this is an original thought from Nadine. Um, but I I kind of appreciated it because um, I, 
I find myself in this point a lot, but uh, the point is to don't lose yourself in trying to solve their problems or hangups. And I know like I'm a, I'm a problem solver, at least you know, I, I like to try and be a problem solver. Something's wrong. I will, you know, use all of my energy to figure out why it's wrong and then to make it right again. Um, but, and, but I don't think students all the time need a problem solver one, cause that can be exhausting for them, for someone to try and come in and fix everything. But then two, I think if we are trying to help them in faith formation, um, then if we are always fixing their problems, then they will never know how to work through stuff. They will right. never know how to fix their problems. They will never know how to resolve their doubt, all of these things, right? And so, um, we have to almost give them some of that responsibility so that they are learning and maturing and growing into the young adult that they are becoming so that they can then fix some of these issues, that they can right the wrongs in their life. And it doesn't mean we're hands off and be like, nope, that's all you, right? Um, but we kind of encourage and prod them to do some of that stuff. And again, we got to read the situation because sometimes there might be like imminent danger involved and then we can get involved and stuff and fix that. However, you know, we don't want to take all of the problems off their shoulders because then they're not going to learn to navigate that on their own. But that was your original thought. So yeah. what, what, uh, could you add anything no, to that? You know, I just, uh, we, we do our knee jer jerk reaction as parents is to, to make their lives easier, to make things better and to make them help them make all of the right choices. When the reality is, is they need to make mistakes. Yeah. They need to mess up. They need to solve these problems on their own. And we need to kind of switch our roles to coach and mentor. And we are not uh, especially with teenagers, we're, we're not the hands-on. We may still be providing food for them and doing their laundry and yeah. <laughs> driving them around, but emotionally they need to start taking ownership of their own choices, yeah. good or bad, and we need to not problem solve for them. Um, even if it's a lunchroom uh, drama at yeah. school or a friendship drama, it's always friendship drama, um, we don't need to solve their problems. Yeah. You know, we can, we can listen and offer good advice, but we don't need to have a strat strategy yeah. in place for them to follow with bullet points and a funny story, um, which they won't listen to. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, don't lose yourself in trying to do this. Really, we I see parents get hung up over this all the mm. time, trying to, um, they're teenagers again, solving teenage problems, and yeah. you're, we're not teenagers anymore. Yeah. We are mentors and coaches yeah. at this point. That's such an important thing to remember, and I think that takes a lot of, humility to you know for us to admit that you know I'm not the savior I'm not going to fix everything and that's okay well I mean one we trust that God is making all wrongs right that God doing something behind the scenes and that he even invites us to participate in that in some way however you know part of that process looks like hey let's let let's let um let's let our teenager continue to grow through this let's resource them but you know kind of put it on them hey what are you going to do about it what are we going to do in this situation and how you know uh, how will we resolve this and so that's a really really good point um and i think it's overlooked a lot and i know i as one who likes to solve problems i overlook that a lot so yeah. Uh, thanks for the reminder. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I had one more yeah. uh, tip for parents, which is my go-to to get yeah. my kids talking when it's not a time that they're bringing something up at, a, in, at nighttime, uh, when I want to create the scene, when I want to lead the conversation, mm. and that is taking them out to eat, mm. to some place that they want to go at a time of day that suits them, rearrange your schedule, they pick the place, yeah. you That's pay, good. and you're in a restaurant setting, just one-on-one. -on -one, and this is where I just am able to have these deeper conversations. Yeah, that's so really that's good. worked for me. If, if you've not tried that yet, take your teenager out on a date. Uh, I would just say one parent, both parents creates a different dynamic, but mm -hmm. just take one one parent, take your, take your young person out, um, 
just on a date and you don't yeah. have any agenda, but to just build, be that first building block for, yeah. for having these conversations in the future. That's good. This is conversation one. If, uh, if they're listening to this podcast, they're going to know your biggest play now. I know, right? <laughs> no, no. If teenagers are listening to this, list your restaurants. You want to go to yeah. the Cheesecake yeah. Factory? <laughs> Tell your parents. Yeah, pick something really like nice and, you know, classy and expensive. Yeah. Olive Garden, <laughs> yeah. Cheesecake Factory. Unlimited breadsticks. Yeah, that's oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Um, so uh, speaking of faith conversations, we're going to wrap up by sharing that we actually have an event that is coming up in September uh, to further this conversation and actually to kind of create this workshop environment where we can put into practice some of these tips and some other tips so that we can have better faith conversations with our young people. So Nadine, can you share with uh, them what we're, we'll be doing? So this, this, uh, Conference is called Our Faith Forum, where we're specifically unpacking faith conversations in of relation to uh, specific topics. We are going to be launching this event on September 19th, which is a Sunday afternoon. Actually, Sunday late morning, we're going to start registration at 1030. Yes. We're going to kick off our event at 11 with lunch. So you guys will want to dial in for yeah. that. we are show up. It's going to be great. Um, and we're going to try to equip you to have these great faith conversations around some uh controversial and some pertinent topics. Yeah, so uh, thanks for that. So September 19th, go ahead, put it on your calendar. Um, but we, what we want to do real quick is share, hey, these are the types of conversations we're, we're going to work through. We've kind of identified three um, kind of categories where most most faith conversations fall into. The first one is in for informational, right? Informational conversations are all about the transfer of information, facts, and data that benefit all of us, right? These are the conversations that are usually the most unifying and are often the easiest types of conversations to have with others. And uh, common examples of these kind of informational conversations are, you know, teens and technology tips, mental health and faith, how to pray, how to study the Bible. So this is kind of the transfer of information and and it's the easiest one to have. That's one type of conversation. The next one is a what we're calling philosophical. Um, philosophical conversations are all about the wrestling with both the known and the unknown and the mysterious. These conversations are a tad more difficult as they require curiosity, candid questioning, trust, and a comfort with mystery. And so um, some common examples of this, maybe you've heard some of these questions from your teenagers are, you know, what is heaven like? Or why doesn't God fix the world? Why does God let our loved ones die? And how to navigate doubt. And so those are more philosophical um, in nature because there's a lot of mystery tied up to it. It's not like informational where it's just data you're giving and transferring, but there's some mystery tied up in the philosophical. And then the last one, which is the most difficult of the three that we're actually going to try and work through even, uh, you know, at our conference is the controversial Controversial conversations are the most difficult of the three as they often give rise to public and passionate disagreement. Too often these conversations can be ugly, resulting in conflict, strife, and division with little progress. And some common examples of this is faith in politics, pro-life and pro-choice, matters of sexuality, uh, theological differences, and maybe the most jarring is pineapple on pizza, which I think is a sin. <laughs> uh, and so the controversial, uh, we've seen that so much on Facebook in our public discourse nowadays where people disagree about stuff. And, and even a lot of times in the church, we see disagreement. And so what do we do that with that? Do we just let it create division and strife? How can we go about that in a way that results in growth for everybody involved? And so that's our hope uh, at the Faith Forum is to work through these three types of 
conversations uh, together and hopefully get some tools so that when our young people come to us with these questions and these types of conversations, we will be better equipped to respond to them, help them grow, and hey, we can even grow ourselves. So we're so excited for that. Um, if you want to learn more or sign up, you can actually go right now to clcfamily.church slash faithforum, all one word, and you can learn more about the event, what we're offering, what we're doing, and all of that fun stuff, which we're so excited about. Yes. It's going to be so good. This is our first time doing this too. So I'm going to tell people like we could really screw this yeah. up. Like this could, this could be rough, especially with the controversial conversations, but we're going to enter through that, you know, enter that tension and work through that and hopefully get better because of it. Yeah. So, um, so that is all we got for episode 10. Thanks for hanging in there. I just want to share a little bit, uh, a couple ways that you can find us. First, if you ever have thoughts about the topics that we cover, or if there's topics that you just want to cover that are unrelated to anything we're talking about, uh, you can actually email us at thewell at clcfamily.church, and we will gladly take any feedback, thoughts, or even comments about some of these episodes. Um, you can also follow us on social media, because that's hip and cool to be on social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. It's at the.well.podcast, or on Facebook, at the well podcast one that's the number not the word at the well podcast one and then of course you can visit us online at clcfamily.church slash the well uh is that it that's it. That was so much fun. Thank you, yeah, Nadine, for your welcome. expertise. For me. Yeah, and we uh, we love you guys. If we can do anything, let us know. But we will see you next time here at the Well. So take care. Bye.